The following episode of Fofop is classified MA. It contains some coarse language, some nudity, drug references, a sex scene, time travel, terrible Batman impersonations, a Charlie Clausen pronounced Clausen shaped hole, and mild coarse language. Fofop advises that the program is not suitable for persons under the age of 15, and minors must be accompanied by an adult guardian or priest. This is John Deke speaking. Everyone relax. This is Toe Pop. <laughs> Ironically, I'm not relaxed. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Faux Pop. I'm Will Anderson. And uh, this is almost a crossover episode. Not quite. It was going to be a bit more of a sort of crossover episode, but... Uh, then look, it took. People don't need to know behind the scenes things here, but basically, it took a while for the 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 episode to mix down on the recording device, and then and during our, that time, Carl Woodbury got arrested. Well, no, during that time, he realised he didn't have pants. <laughs> That's literally what happened. That sounds like a made up thing, but he's going to the ESPYS tonight, which is this massive like sports award. It's like the Emmys, but for like sports television for sports, and he forgot pants. So he realised that he couldn't stick around and do this podcast because he had no pants for the ESPYS. It's where people go to get awards about their coverage of people getting awards. Yes, and then there'll be awards for those. It'll be like one of those things, like you know, at the um, at the Emmys each year, like the coverage last year's Emmys gets nominated <laughs> for best like you know TV coverage. Everyone's like bullshit. To stitch up. Uh, so, uh, the voice you can hear, guest Charlie, first time guest Charlie on the podcast. I've been on his podcast a few times, so it's about time. Uh, and I'm on the most, well, I will be on the next one, next episode of I Love Green Guard Letters. Is you that will, how it works? You will be. There's a bit of time traveling going on okay. with the Green Guard Letters, okay. letters so at the moment. Be, I'll be on soon. Yeah. Soonish. You are now the John Connor of podcasting. Okay. All right. Well, anyway, whatever. People can listen to them at their own times. It's uh, Steel Saunders. Hello, Steel Saunders. Hey, you guys. Hey, Will. I um, it's so weird the way this podcast has evolved. Like when it was it was Tofop, and you thought about uh, ending it all when Charlie couldn't go on, and then like you know when you've the podcast still means I didn't yes. think I didn't think about ending it all. <laughs> I did. I did. <laughs> I did cry. I, that's absolutely true. I try, I cried at the Coolangatta Airport when I found out, uh, and uh, Amy like knew immediately we were about to go on like a holiday. And I'm now crying on the phone because I've been talking to Charlie, and she's like, "The podcast is ending, isn't it?" And I was like, "How did you know?" She goes, "Yeah, that's like I mean, unless he was like Batman's dead or whatever." <laughs> <laughs> But you very, you know, it's like when you've you got your first girlfriend in high school, and you know you both lose your virginity together, and then you break up, and then she, after a while, sleeps with someone else, right? And then all of a sudden, she's all over the shop. Sure, you know that that is you. That's me. You very cautiously got together with Dave, and now just anyone that's in town now. Yeah. You're gathering around the microphone. I'm polyamorous. That's what I am. You like Jennifer Lawrence in Silver Linings Playbook? Uh, did I have a mental illness? Is that what you're saying? No, she. That's had, what you're saying. She, she had a I bad have... relationship, and then she went on a uh, a spree right. of uh, sexual encounters. Right. Which means because she had like bipolar or something, right? Which means I wish right. I lived so in that fictional you, town. You're yes. basically well. Ah, is that what you're saying? Yeah. You would take advantage of a mentally ill person. Is that what you're saying? 
I wish I was in that situation where I could have taken advantage of a mental illness. No, you're painting it in the wrong way. In my head, it's like here's an opportunity to, to have a sexual take encounter with of somebody's mental illness. She's an X Men, all right. She can she can change whatever she needs to change. Well, uh, hang on, that doesn't. That's still not consent. You can't just say. <laughs> <laughs> Look at you, who was barracking for Peter Dinklage. <laughs> <laughs> I want our body fluids too for my own experiment. Someone just realised he's on a podcast that he can't edit. Right. Yeah, it's a good point. Welcome this week's guest, Charlie, Mr. Black. Mr. Black, Steel Saunders. Uh, tell me this, uh, uh, speaking of uh, nerd culture, you've just been at uh, Comic-Con, SDCC, hashtag SDCC. Definite hashtag. Uh, tell me about that. You've been before. Tell, tell our listeners because... For all our love of the comic book world and all these sort of worlds, like we've, I've never been to Comic Con and I would love to go, but you know, I'm now really, I've gone past the point where I like, you know, can make that trek as a punter and sleep out all night to get to the right things. My only shot of getting to Comic Con now is becoming big and famous enough that someone invites me to do a panel. And Taking advantage pass. of a mentally ill Jennifer Lawrence. That is your only way into Comic Con. Okay, sure. Sure. <laughs> if that if that if that's an available option. Comic Con is I I went a couple of years ago for the first time and I I I kind of went as for the like cuz I I like the movies and I like the products and the merchandise. But what gets me to go back every year is the sheer joy in the air at Comic Con. Like the there is something that you just can't describe the positivity everyone it's you know there's 120,000 people whatever everyone's in a good mood everyone's positive and I feel like it's there's people that's interesting to me because it's really crowded right like Mm. you always hear about the massive lines for things and so there's a still like a a good spirit within that is there like people aren't kind of pitted against each other because I could imagine there'd be breakouts you know and then suddenly you've got fucking Thor fighting you know like a guy in a bazunga t-shirt or something (laughs) If you hear about it like an like an orgy with eighty people in it, you might think of wow, that's crowded. But what you're not thinking about, what they'd not reported, is right. the sweet orgasm during that orgy. Yeah, no, that's a good point. And we were having a definite nerd orgy. But the po- I, I sort of feel like people that a lot of people that get into fantasy things and and movies and stuff they they need it as an escape or you know it's it's, it's maybe they're socially awkward and that's their way to. You know, live vicariously through these heroes, people, right. you know, sort of, and also use them as I've inspiration. I've got glasses, no parents and a hideous scar. Maybe I'm a wizard too. <laughs> <laughs> if I put this spider next to this battery for long enough right. and then eat it. <laughs> and Steel, stop playing in the nuclear waste. Come on. <laughs> but yeah, I just... The the positivity and there there is like the evil you know sort of like eBay and and the products has sort of soured it a little bit but that, that that's what's reported but just the vibe in the halls the being in a line and meeting someone that's dressed as something you don't know what it is and you just start talking like I I camped out for the Star Wars uh, panel 
and I was not really looking forward to camping out in a line. So how many people, tell me what the panels are like. How does that work? So they're in, I imagine, some sort of big convention room or whatever, right? Is that what's happening? And there's a certain amount of like tickets to the panel. How does that work? Okay, well, the the biggest room where you see like your like your lost panels oh. and your Marvel reveals, that's in Hall H and that's a six and a half thousand seat auditorium, giant screens. And Ronnie Chang's playing at next comedy. (laughs) (laughs) He arrives to the gig in the Iron Man uniform. (laughs) He finally has found a way to get that Ronnie behind him even bigger, which is fantastic. And you do... I can imagine Ronnie with like a Stark Towers style Ronnie up the top of the the building block that he owns. Just flying in. The... Yeah, so you have to... for, For certain ones, you have to camp out. The Star Wars one was... It was an anomaly. People camped out for two nights. They right. did double so, camp out. So they had six and a half thousand slots and they st- you still needed to camp out. So how many people do you think were camping out? It was weird because they did it really well that there was probably about 3,000 people in the line mm-hmm. the night before and then you got a wristband and then you could decide you could just leave someone there to mark your spot. And we're under, we got moved under these tents. It's on grass. We had a great little camp. It was awesome fun. Like I... Like, I'll cherish those memories for the rest of my life and made friends that I... How many hours were you there? 30 or something. Wow. 30 golden hours. Yeah. Something that you could never say about the Star Wars trilogy. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, William, this is our 10 years. Yeah, this no. is We're in the grand final this year. No, we, are, we are certain to win. So is it going to be great? Is like is the new movie going to be great or not? So okay, tell us, you line up all night, you, you're meeting these people. Are there people dressed up as Star Wars characters? No, it's pretty down to business. Right. You've got your Star Wars t-shirt on. There's no room to cosplay. Right. Uh, you're there to camp out. You've got your deck chair. You've got people had deck chairs with little roofs on them, people with little huts that they'd made. It was, was anyone sleeping in the hollowed out insides of it'd be great if I knew what the name of that animal was in Star Wars, but I remember that scene, right? Isn't there one where he sleeps in the the thing that gets killed? You refer Am I thinking about bear grills? <laughs> Bear Grylls was in Star Wars, right? You refer to a Tauntaun, and to answer your question, yes. (laughs) There was two people. There was two girls. That's awesome. uh, And the other thing I love about Comic-Con fandom is the way people express themselves, like, to contribute. Like, I'm not sure if you saw a guy on... uh, Instagram or, you know, getting shared around on Facebook, a guy dressed as fleeing Jurassic World bar guy. You know, the oh, guy yeah, that okay. runs, sure. so there was a guy dressed with two cocktails and a Jurassic Park hat and he had a little pterodactyl on a stick and it's just like such an easy costume, but he's just contributing to the vibe of, 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 of Comic-Con and the vibe. And the weird thing is, and, and it's a huge bubble for me to go to because I'm normally – I don't know, quite a cynical, let's look at what's bad at this type of guy. And it's like even talking about it's my time to be free. Like right. this is probably the most animated and happiest you've ever seen me yeah. in my life. You check cynical steel at the door. 
Yeah, and yeah. I, I cosplay as the happy young boy I once was before show business chewed me up and spat me out. You're Adelaide during the Adelaide Fringe. <laughs> That's what you are. <laughs> that exciting one month <laughs> where, where everything seems happy and okay. Congested and full of pie. Yep. So, um, yeah, there were two girls sleeping in their Tauntaun sleeping bags. That's awesome. The zippers on the Tauntaun sleeping bags are lightsabers. Of course they are. And inside the Tauntaun sleeping bag, it's printed with a, like a gut kite camouflage. So, me and Jackie were... Sl- I, I love the attention to detail. Oh, we need it's it. something that could have been like a throwaway. You know, there's something that people probably would have been bored even just on the outside. Hey, they were the, like, no, no, no. Those sleeping bags go for about 200 bucks. No one's throwing them away. Right. And we saw these two girls asleep and the head of the Tauntaun forms the pillow. And I looked at that and looked at Jackie and just went, fuck, I love Comic-Con. Right. It's just, I, I love the, just, I love, I like people's enjoyment and enthusiasm and stuff like that. So. Yeah, no, well, that's good. I like that. So, um, so tell me then what happens for this Star Wars-y thing. Well, we had to wait, sit through all these other panels Oh, so the other panels are also in the room. Are they Star Wars related or are they other panels on other things? Oh, and is it like when Metallica played the big day out and the Dandy Warhols had to play like at five o'clock in the afternoon, except there was no Dandy Warhols fan because all the Metallica fans were just like lined up and filled the... Is that what it was like? Is all the other panels getting nothing? Because like talk about Obi Wan Kenobi. Well, I've got, I'm a very one eyed, just Star Wars guy. Other there was Game of Thrones, and there was The Walking Dead, and the sequel of The Walking Dead. And but I was prequel. I was the um, I don't even think it's is it a spin off? Is it a, is it a, just another tale? Is it a prequel? I get I get the impression it's prequel because well, it's set in the time where the zombies start to. Come, like actually people start to become zombies so I just assumed it was like a prequely world right I don't know I didn't pay much attention at the panel okay see this is what the point we're making <laughs> like is there any Wookiees in it oh, did you say the Wookiee dead <laughs> the, is this the Wookiee dead I'll watch that and uh, the when it got to the Star Wars portion and it was about to come out I the electricity and the vo- like it was just so exciting and when Harrison Ford came out and got teared up to our ovation I was like this is it Jackie afterwards we got JJ Abrams held this big private surprise Star Wars concert around the corner that we all got invited to and we all walked together as one outdoor concert and Jackie was just like that's it we're cancelling the wedding it's all downhill from here should have got married then in that at that concert via saber that's what you should have I bet there would have been somebody who's like a registered, like, you know, at least in a galactic sort of religion, right? Do you do or do not take this bride? It's probably the person who played the person. At the, is the, there's a wedding in the Star Wars films, right? There's a, a secret wedding, yes. Yeah, they're right. Okay, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> but it was, it was fantastic. It was uh, a definitely... I feel. I hope it doesn't wear. I, I. I feel like a happier person coming out of it, just having this very joyful experience. Well, that. I mean, that's a little bit disappointing for me. I will say this because there was one thing that I wanted to talk to you about today, and I don't want to ruin your happy mood. I don't want to like, uh, you know, bring cynicism and anger back you're, into. You. I don't want to bring the dark side of the force. Your 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 voice says you want to keep me in a happy mood, but your face sort of says. 
Yeah, let's see if we can piss him off. No, I'm conflicted. I'm conflicted about bringing this up now. But it was something that I wanted to talk to you about and you referenced it earlier. So I thought that we should talk about it, mm-hmm. which is the movie Jurassic World. Because you and I like, had very, very similar reactions to that film. And I just wanted to talk about like what you found particularly objectionable because I just wanted to hear somebody else enjoy hating it as much as I enjoyed hating it. But I don't want to also, you know, I don't want to ruin new steel. I don't want to bring back cynical steel if it's not time for cynical steel to come back. You know what I mean? Like this is a conversation we can have another time if it's too soon to revisit that well. Or has your opinion changed? Is new steel less is, is more forgiving of the flaws of the Jurassic World film? The dinosaur used the jail escape method of hide under the bed. Yeah. It's a classic trope in old movies. Right. You hide under the bed, they've escaped, the jailer comes in, pounce out from under the bed, right. and you're escaped. Like, the other thing would yeah, be... But here's the thing still. Uh, that dinosaur had been raised in isolation, so had not seen those movies. So that's just independent thought, same plan, came up with it. It's not a trope to the dinosaur. In its DNA, it had, had Raptor and yeah. ye oldie Western film. Right, yeah, in. classic movie. <laughs> it had actually gone over with bed sheets that had tied together. Or, or it used its tail to flick the key from the other side of the room over. It's just that, that to me, the when that happened. The the door had fallen asleep drunk. 20 years ago, I'm back. 20 years ago, <laughs> they set up the park and things went wrong and everyone got killed. Newman from Seinfeld got killed. Newman! Then they don't have, oh, that dinosaur's pretty big. Oh, we better make that cage bigger eventually. No, no, let's employ three staff. <laughs> One of them in high heels at all times. Oh. Who the minute shit goes wrong gets out of the control room. And only is radioing one guard for the entire film. Is there only only one guard? Are you sure you don't have heaps of people working here for this emergency situation? Why don't we let this crazy army guy that we seem to be letting walk all over the place just try to set raptors onto everything, even though they're barely controlled by a guy who's raised them from birth in a ludicrous plotline of its own? It's and the, it just and just the fact that like the heels, the heels are so far down. On the complaints, like in another movie, that'd be your top. That'd be your top complaint. How did she have the heels on the whole time? Right, and then not even make a decent fucking reference or joke about it. Not once. How do they do it? With straight? Even Paris Hilton getting chased by a T Rex would dump the shoes. In this universe, that other thing happened. The guy's wearing a Jurassic Park fucking T-shirt in the control room in this. It happened, right? Mm -hmm. In this world. And you're telling me that in this crazy place where you're just fucking getting all bits of dinosaurs and whatever else is in the fucking lab because you're BD Wong and you're in fucking law and order for 10 years (laughs) and you've got a fucking Nutra fucking blaster that you bought late at night when you're fucking at home alone going, my name's BD Wong and nobody knows who I am. And then you mix them all together in a fucking blender and make a dinosaur and you're like got three guards three guards it is it's so infuriating oh and by the way we won't tell them that they might be able to camouflage because that might be a handy thing for them, <laughs> <laughs> the, the dinosaur is uh, also genetically modified to be uh, cargo pants 
and they can camouflage whenever you please. My favourite moment in that film is literally still like the fact that the two kids, we're expected to believe of all things that the two kids, this Jeep has been abandoned in this fucking place for 10 years and it's like dusty and this and then the two kids, these two, like one kid with ADHD and the other one who's like a sex offender, a creepy sex offender child managed to start this Jeep like, my mechanic, if you went in, you, your car hadn't gone for 10 years, your mechanic would go, we'll give you a loaner for a week. But two kids, two kids who've never worked together and don't even seem to like each other can start it because one summer they worked on grandma's car because all cars are exactly the same. No, they, 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 you, didn't, you haven't read the literature. They were genetically modified. They've got DNA from the RSCV. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's – yeah. Oh, sorry. What about this? <laughs> You are the cause of a very violent pterodactyl attack. Like, Jimmy Buffett gets killed in this attack. Jimmy Buffett. Jimmy Buffett. And then your reaction to it is, oh, might just might just flirt with Star-Lloyd over there. Right. Know? Why not? Why not? Like, no. I mean, literally, why, why not? Or why? Because you've shown nothing in the character development that... Like, how is their relationship going to be when they're not being chased by dinosaurs? Because the only thing that these couple have, they're diametrically opposed. They went on one really shitty date and they have completely different aims in life. But because they've been chased for, by a few fucking dinosaurs, suddenly they're in love? Like, well, what's going to happen when the dinosaur chases go away and suddenly you're just two people who believe in different things? It took dinosaurs to teach me about the values of family. Right. Yeah, exactly. Get rid of the high heels and get a fucking baby up here. Because that's what women are really about, not running dinosaur parks. Because if you run dinosaur parks and you're a woman, everything goes wrong. That's a metaphor. Don't be a woman in charge. Stop playing God with your dinosaurs. Start playing God with your vaginal cavity. Exactly. Start pumping a couple out and loving them. Yeah. How about loving a baby? Tell you what, the dinosaurs didn't get abortions. What are you talking about? I'm just saying hot hot topic words now. <laughs> 9-11, dinosaurs melt beams. What the fuck are you talking about? Oh, but yeah, it was... And, and the thing that really angered me the most, and this is the bit where you might be disappointed in me. Okay. Because you did tweet, you were very congr- congratulatory of my views. Yes. You shared my views. You supported them. The director is rumoured to be a Star Wars director. Oh, is that right? And I was just like, this motherfucker cannot go near my universe. We only let one director fuck up Star Wars films and his name is George Lucas and we love him for it. Well, you don't love him for it, but you tolerate him because he created all the things that you like. Mm -hmm. You just shouldn't let him run them. And at the end, they of didn't the- let Steve Jobs build the fucking iPods. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? He made the fucking sp- fancy speeches, and he had his turtleneck, and he mistreated everybody and tried to rip them off. And they actually got like you know tiny Japanese people with nimble fingers or something. No, I don't know what they did, but my point is that you know you don't let George. George, you're done now. Steve Jobs could barely even remember they were going to introduce a uh, new iPod that week. Right. Because he'd do the presentation, he'd about to wrap up, and he goes, oh, one more thing. <sighs> one more thing. So he you should have cl- started the presentation yeah. with that. No, no, no. He was like Columbo. <laughs> really influenced by Columbo. A lot of people don't know that. Big Peter Falk fan. Loved The Princess Bride. It's like when a band saves their hit single for the encore, and they don't get an encore. 
I saw Snoop Dogg and he did uh, Hi, My Name Is Snoop Doggy Dog uh, twice. Did it once in the regular set and again in the encore. <laughs> yeah, why not? Fucking, if I was like a, particularly if you're like one of those bands that has like a, like one really big hit, like one that everybody wants to hear, fucking, you know what? Start with it and finish with it. But he didn't remember he'd already played it. No one in the audience no, remembered he already played it. No, he was literally asking it. people, what's my name? Because I, <laughs> I have to book a cab and they keep asking me what name. And I, no, I what's my motherfucking name? And they're like, Snoop Dogg, you're singing it. You're literally singing your name. And he's like, what's my motherfucking name, Snoop Dogg? Yeah, and then he's got his hands in the air so he can't fucking call the Uber. <laughs> or care. Or no. care. <clears throat> Yeah, it was a terrible film, and and that's well, that's disappointing for me to hear that because uh, I, I reckon JJ, like here's the here's what I think why I have hope for this new Star Wars film as somebody who like long ago abandoned the franchise, even though I've seen all the films, but um, I like the characters in the universe, like it's great, you know, and you have. You know, a lot of the the classic people, and obviously they're going to honor the stories, and they're taking off at a point that could be really, really interesting. And people's expectations are a lot lower than they ever used to be, I think. Also, and JJ is a really serviceable, like director in that sort of way. I think he'll do a good, a, a good, very good job. You know, that's what he kind of does. You'll do, and I think people will be really happy with that because people haven't really done a good or very good job with those films for a very long time. It's going to be the greatest film of all time, Will. I feel like you'll be disappointed. I mean, you may you may feel like that. How it, can I be disappointed? Okay, in of, thinking it's going to be the greatest film of all time. Of the of what possible chances there of being disappointed? Of the top ten films of all time, if you were going to rank them. Right, if if Steel's top ten films of all time, how many of the Star Wars films make it into that list of ten films? How many of the nine? Let's not mention the Ewoks spinoff. But of the nine, uh, oh sorry, of the six, of you the know six. that will eventually be the nine of the the six so far. Uh, how many of those are in your top ten? You got to have two in there. Got to have your Empire, uh-huh. and you got to have your original Star Wars, right? And you hope. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Return of Jedi is my favourite, but it's not the best. Okay, that, that's all right. I'm happy, I'm happy with that as an answer. And you just ignored the the first three, right? I don't ignore them, but they're not, they're not, <laughs> they ain't getting in no top ten of best of all time. Okay, well, that's good. It feels that, it feels like you're still a little bit sane. <laughs> so that, that's a good sign. In the top fifty films of all time, how many of them? How many of those Star Wars films make it in? Two. Okay. Okay. All right. Okay. Well, okay. So you, so you honestly believe this new film will be the greatest film of all time? Then I think it will be for me. I, I he he put up this behind the scenes featurette which you can watch on uh, YouTube or StarWars.com, and it just it's it's pretty special. It's pretty special. So they are. Oh, that's good that they got StarWars.com. I would have thought that one would have gone pretty early. So. <laughs> Good on those guys. And they got the exclusive on the new clip as not well. Not with a Z or anything, right? It's like they got the it's not Star Wars. Star Wars 69. It's weird you say that. I, you know, I do a Star Wars podcast called Steel Wars. And, you know, the Twitter is at Steel Wars. And I have been followed by so many different versions of at Star Wars. And each time I'm like, yes, they're finally following. Oh, no, it's got a Z. Or it's got two S's. 
or it's got an apostrophe at the start. Like I've I've got all these fake Star Wars. One day I'll get the original, but they've got the original Star Wars. Yes. Uh yeah. Well, I mean, so what? What is yours? What? What? What is your pod? What's the podcast uh, domain website? My one. Yeah. What is it? Steel, Steel Wars. Wars. So Steel Wars was available. Well, I guess Steel's. <laughs> it's got an e in it. Right? Yeah. So well, it's got three e's in it, but like. Because I would have thought Steel Wars would still be like a website that somebody would already have, but if not, maybe not the E in the middle. No. Why yeah. would is someone there have one it? That is Steel Wars? Let's look that up. Let's okay. if, let's look up. Is there a, a steelwars.com? It's a gritty documentary yep. about the- uh, Take out the E. The iron battles in the uh, Industrial Revolution. I want to know if someone's already got that. Because if they don't, you should get that and link it also. So if, oh, for misspells. Yeah. For misspells. So you get those as well. You got to get them all linked through to yours. I Is there a Steel Wars? I think something's happening. Oh, my God. All right. Here we go. Here's a fun game. Yeah. There is a Steel Wars registered. There we go. All right. Have a guess. What, what, what's, what, are we, what, what could Steel Wars be? Okay. Well, I would say Steel Wars... Um, so I'm going to say, well, porn's always a, an obvious option for the internet. <laughs> like that'd just be like a pretty safety guess that there's probably some sort of porn. Uh, um, so like rock hard, right? Rods, yeah, I mean, battling, like, or it might even be like there might be some gay porn stars called the Steel Brothers. Yeah, like yeah, Ron and Don Steel, <laughs> and like. <laughs> <laughs> it's like them playing. Oh no, it's a dad and son combination, and they're reenacting that scene from Star Wars where it's like Darth Vader and Luke having the lightsaber fight, but it's with their cocks. Imagine getting stuck in a Ron Don sandwich. <laughs> is Ron is good? Is Don is not good? Uh, okay, um, I am your father. No, that's impossible. <laughs> Man, this family is all about incest. <laughs> I must say, on incest. To hear Harrison Ford, Mark Hamill, and Carrie Fisher joke on stage about Skywalker family incest, that was, it was, you, you sort of biting the style of my podcast because that's something we always talk about, but it was, it was breathtaking. It was amazing. I mean, it was a moment where, you know, fan fiction world crossed over into the real world. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, so, um, so Steel, not porn, not Steel porn. Wars Swords. Is it swords of some kind? Some some sort of illegal place where you can buy swords off the internet? Wilma. I said Warmer, but I tried to add a Warmer. will at the front. Okay, I see what you did. I'm not good that at titling. Excuse me, that was not, fine. Yeah, you're, no, no, you're, you're the pro at the uh, no, no. at the will puns. No, I mean, like it was a good try, and I appreciate the branding, so I'm happy with it. Uh, so let's. Uh, okay, so Steel Wars. Uh, War, like a military guns, guns, some sort of gun site. No, no, you were, you were pretty, the, the swords are. Oh, so, uh, oh, is it um, some sort of a role-playing game, some sort of wizardry role-playing game, some sort of fantasy war, like World of Warcraft or like some sort of like uh, something like that? We have a cosplaying winner. <laughs> <laughs> tell, so tell me what it is. Okay, so this ab- is about us, let's see. So I go to about us uh, in giant letters. Yeah. What does it say? How we're different. Oh. Nice. And I think the fact that you run right. a cosplaying website called Steel Wars 
that's how you're different. You know what would be great right now? Because I haven't seen it. You've got the information there. But it'd be great if all the stuff's about how they're different to you and your podcast. Because it, <laughs> cause they've had so many people mistakenly come that they've had to frequently ask questions. Where can I find the other podcast you do about Green Guide Letters? <laughs> we're not that one. How we're different. We are not that that dorky nerd with the really loud laugh. That is not us. And do you know what you call people that are involved with the Steel Wars podcast or the Steel Wars website, I should say? Oh, um, Steel Warriors? Steel Wardens. Oh, okay. Not bad. I think Steel Warriors is better, but yeah. They have 100 years of full armor combat experience between them. Oh, between them. Well, that could just be like... One guy's got 98 years of experience and one guy's just got two. Well, it could be 100 dudes that have been doing it for a year. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. I, hey, just, I'm, I'm, I don't know why in my scenario I imagine there was only two people involved in this organisation. <laughs> you are you're not taking into account how many steel wardens there are. So there's a no, league. That's a good point. Um, okay. Oh, okay, actually, safety. Well, good. Safety, safety has been safety our nice. number one priority starting with training. The okay. proper armour and weapons safe enough to compete with. Okay. Even though no one has been seriously injured okay, cool. since Just, our competition yeah. started in 1999 the rattan weapons cause bumps and bruises and compression cuts Ooh. if the weapon is an axe mace or hammer we use a very hard rubber on the end of the rattan staff See, now it might be the porn side again. <laughs> it feels like this may still be a porn side. <laughs> I wouldn't mind getting Ron and Don's hard rubber. <laughs> and they've got a league. What's uh, the league called? Is there a name for the league? Does it tell you what that is? No. Oh, there's all videos. You can watch videos from the league. Oh, wow. They've got a uh, ex-pro wrestler, Gene Snitsky. He's involved. Okay, the Snits. There's a, yeah, there's just a lot of videos about that. And then history. Oh, history. That's what we want. That's, yeah, that, that, let's get deep. Let's find out what's going in Steel Wars. Our group produces many events for the love of battle and competition. Imagine putting on 30 pounds of armor. All right, that sentence should have ended. Imagine putting on 30 pounds. I have imagined it. Oh, I mean, yeah, imagine putting on 30 pounds. Visit LA. <laughs> In-N-Out Burger's delicious. You have to wait for ages, but it really is worth it. <laughs> right, I'm, you can get vegetarian. It's not on the menu, but you just ask for a grilled cheese with everything that comes with it, and it's exactly the same as the regular burger, except for without meat. In fact, sometimes I'll get chips and just put chips in there as well. It's delicious. It, it is a long wait, and don't go to the one at the airport at night. People go there for dinner, and you'll miss your plane. Very important. All right, I'm going to take out all the references and... Just leave it at this. I'm going to take out all the actual references to the, their medieval games. Imagine putting on 30 pounds, sweating from your eyeballs, and getting hammered. Okay, that's a good night out. It's good. <laughs> it sounds like a Nick Cody reality tour. Yeah. <laughs> your vision is limited and your ears are pressed up against the padding inside your steel helmet, making it hard to hear. That sounds brutal, but they say now is when the fun truly begins. Oh, yeah, okay. Quoting one of our warriors, Ice Pick. Because, by the way, just before getting, like, 
getting into something really, really heavy and impractical and enclosed. Uh, I'm glad that the fun hasn't already started. I'm glad people aren't like, this is part of the fun, because so far that does not sound fun at all. Yeah, like after five years of being in jail, then you put in, get into like solitary, and it's like, this is when the fun really, really begins. begins. Okay, let the, let the fun begin. Now, quoting one of our warriors, Ice Pick. Yeah. So I'll, I'll quote Mr. Pick. Yeah. Full Armour Combat. That's his hip-hop name, Ice Pick. (laughs) Full Armour Combat is not for the faint at heart. No. Medically, he's a doctor. Dr. Pick. (laughs) Dr. Ice Pick. So, yeah, Steel Wars. I feel like I I actually feel so much cooler now knowing that that adding an extra E. Second least nerdy Steel Wars podcast (laughs) on the internet. (laughs) Steel Wars. We're not the really dorky ones. (laughs) The slightly cooler one. (laughs) Finally, a podcast about Star Wars has someone to look down their nose at. (laughs) Steel Wars, the less homoerotic version. (laughs) Yeah, not not the one with the gay brothers. (laughs) (laughs) Now officially a Ron and Don free zone. Oh, my God. But they're having fun. I have to say, they're having fun. They're doing their thing. They've used hard rubber on their maces. Right. No one's getting hurt. Seriously. No, it, and it's all consensual. Mm-hmm. Maces don't kill people. People kill people. Mace Windu kills people. Oh, there you go. Look at that crossover. Thank See, you. you both have that. You can. You both have maces in common. <laughs> they're swinging them, and you're referencing them. Referencing them. Uh, who was uh, Mace Windu? Tell me who Mace Windu was. Again. Samuel L. Jackson. Oh yeah. Okay. So, uh, and what was Mace Windu? He was a, a a yogi. What do they call it? A Jedi. A Jedi. <laughs> <laughs> you know the yogis, the Force yogis. Keep going. The force yogis in the moo-moos. You know, with the midi-chlorions. <laughs> <laughs> I don't judge your lifestyle, no, Will. No, no, I appreciate in it. In saying that, no, I, I probably do. Cool. I love it. Yeah, he was a... Agro he, with the lightsaber. <laughs> <laughs> he was a Jedi. He was a... Yeah. Now, but where did he fit into the Jedi organization, Mace Windu? Oh, he was, was he like, what was the hierarchy when Mace was around? Was he like, a, who was the head Jedi, the head eye? Do, yeah. they call, they, do they call them the head eye? They should. Who was the head eye? Who was the head eye of the organization? <laughs> I like to think it was someone with a good sense of humor and he'd go into meetings, he'd be like, uh, welcome Jedi. I am, of course, the head eye, Winks. <laughs> So this is what I was saying about Comic-Con. It's a place for people that are into these things to let go and be free from jocks and bullies that are teasing them for their their little fun. And now I'm back in reality. Yeah. I'm just having having some fun. No, I'm interested to know who Mace Windu was. He was was a top Jedi. He was up there with Yoda. I think Yoda was was Yoda the number one man? You can't go past Yoda. Yeah, okay. All right. So Yoda, but that he was in that position of authority. He was like the Dalai Lama style or like head of the, the force. <laughs> he was the head of the force. Right. <laughs> Had a little world's best boss mug. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's just working with like the entry level Jedi's like he's he's on an ep- under episode of Undercover Boss, but everyone knows it's Yoda because he's like <laughs> 
he's trying to speak in complete sentences and like blend in. They've given him a really bad makeup job like he does on mm, Happy with the wages, are you? <laughs> oh, lightsabers could be repaired more often, I hear. <laughs> Horrible, horrible impressions there. That no, is... that was that was y- y- in the show Yoda trying to disguise his voice so people didn't know it was Yoda. That's why it didn't sound like Yoda. Oh, wow. Yeah. You explained to me that. You are truly the white man's Winslow. That was amazing. Yeah. That was very, very good. The... That's how I advertise myself as I tour across America, the white man's Michael Winslow. <laughs> and then I come out on stage and I don't do – impressions of things because that's what white people do we don't do impressions white men don't jump to your needs yeah exactly white men don't helicopter <laughs> the do you what is it like to tour around and then and go from uh australia-wide famous comedian to uh Prove yourself, guy from Australia. I mean, I don't. I don't really feel like I f- find that attitude. I mean, every gig you could. I'm doing some interesting ones, like in just in this next week that you're always curious about. Because I, I did a week of shows in LA last week, and I culminated that by uh, doing Free Will at at Nerd Melt Theatre on Saturday night, and it was the best version of that show I've ever done, and I was really happy about it. So obviously, at the moment, I'm feeling you know, kind of confident and, you know, and, and having sort of really fun with that experience. But I go to Madison tomorrow, Madison, Wisconsin, to play a club that I hear nothing but great things about called Comedy on State. But I don't know who knows me there or if anyone's going to come out to those shows and whether they'll dig it or not. So that'll be interesting. Because, I mean, at the gig on Saturday night, there was a bunch of Aussies because it was in LA. But secondly, I had some people drive, like, all the way from uh, Albuquerque, uh, a, a thousand miles to come and see the show. Like, So there was a good vibe in the room. Whereas when you go to someone like Madison, I'm like, well, I hope some people will come out, but I don't know if they know me or not. And then next week in Toronto, um, as, as part of Just for Laughs, if you buy Just for Laughs, pass for toronto later in the year you get to go and see my show and some other people sam simmons and like blah 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 but for free so the whole audience will be people who bought jfl passes but not necessarily any of them will be fans of mine and they're kind of there for free so those sort of shows like you know you feel a little bit nervous about because you're like well no one's really here to see me so you might have a bit of a uh i'm in the walking dead and everyone's waiting for star wars type of vibe right there may be a little sense of people just going, we got here early because we really like Kyle Kinnane. <laughs> <laughs> and you can do your Outback Steakhouse Jibber Jabber or whatever you're doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not a knife. We get it. I'm like, I didn't even say that, you're racist. <laughs> I, uh... <laughs> but yeah, mostly it's fun. I enjoy it. Like, I'm, I'm coming to the end of it. I've been on the road for nearly two years and... Um, I have to go back to Australia and, you know, do Gruen and go back into an office and stuff, and I'm not really sure how I'm going to go with that. It's been a long time since I've had to, you know, pull myself together and, like, you know, rock up to a meeting and, you know, be presentable and responsible. Oh, poor Will has to go back to being on television. Yeah, man, it's not all it's cracked up to be. It's like I really only have to go back because I like I have a mortgage and I'm paying for my house. But I do often think if I just sold my house, I wouldn't have to go back. That's the way that you don't have a house, and that will truly <laughs> free will. Yeah, well, definitely. Mm. But yeah, no, it's it's yeah, it's been fun. It's been amazing. It's been the best thing that's ever happened in my life, to be honest. But um, but you know, it's still sometimes terrifying and all those things. Can I ask you a question? Yeah, you just did. 
ask me another one. I paused like you were going to, like suddenly you were interviewing me on this podcast. I'm interested about this. Now, when I started doing comedy and decided to ruin my life, which was just a really good decision to do, I, I don't know, you'd, you'd hear, like I, I didn't meet you for maybe like five years into it and it was, it was through the podcast that we met. Yeah, because you kind of started in Melbourne where in a period of time where I was, uh, I would have said I was pretty much predominantly in Sydney because mm. in that time I was doing like that was Big Ruin, like kind of establishing itself and like there was the Triple M period in there when I was in Sydney for a lot of the time. Uh, so I certainly was only really in Melbourne during the festivals and stuff, you know, not kind of doing gigs, you know, during the rest of the year. So you don't really get to see who's, mm. you know, a whole bunch of people kind of came through in that time that I wasn't really as aware of that as, say, Justin would. And I just would hear from Justin mostly, you know, this person's good or here's who's running this or here's what's going on in the scene and stuff like that. So uh, even a lot of the knowledge, I, I, I would often pass off on other people. I'll give recommendations or whatever on things. And I'm like, I don't even know this. I just trust Justin. And he told me, this is true so i'm repeating it as if it's true <laughs> that sounds like your fresh blood intros all over again yes it does <laughs> and that's a call back to the other podcast yeah it's a crossover to something you might not have heard yet you have to get onto i love green letters for that one but i know i think it's like when anyone gets very successful in show business because it's not it's not like being, you know, you go to work at McDonald's and you're a trainee and then you become an, like a crew member, then you're a crew. Tra- like there's no distinct route. Sure. So when people get a lot of success, it's sometimes confusing for people that don't and you have to just stay the course and keep at it. And I would hear, you know, maybe people that were like like bitter or jealous maybe not say the kindest things about you. Sure. And I'm wondering, because my interactions with you have been nothing but, you've been nothing but generous and and like I'm actually think sometimes you should be a bit more of a dick to me. <laughs> but do you feel like there was a time when you were maybe like it was hard to, like you didn't handle the success well or do you think in your mind it was um, just people – because I see it now. Like I see people that are killing the game all of a sudden and people are like, you know, like, oh, I can't believe they're getting their photo next to their sold-out sign again. And it's just like, dude, they're not doing that to have a go. I actually had this conversation. They're not doing that to have a convers- like a go at you. They're not tagging you in that photo on Facebook. It's – a good promotional way to sell out the next day when you say there's a demand, people are enjoying it. And there's so much, you know, especially during a comedy festival, there's so much emotion and, you know, and it can, if you're having a hard time, then it can lead to, you know, as the great yogi Yoda once said, anger leads to hate, hate leads to suffering. Do you, do you feel like, that there was a time when you didn't handle it as well? Because I've sort of found like with you and, and guys like Justin and stuff, you've been nothing but giving and supportive like of crew coming up. And I, I'm sure, you know, we had a, a long running thing where I would I would get frustrated when people would tell me they found out about the podcast, my podcast through this podcast. And it wasn't because like I was very grateful, but I was just like, well, that's my only way for people to find out about the podcast. This guy's going to have to mention me every week. 
Um, <clears throat> and I don't mean to get no, into I just I'm just very interested. It's an this. it's an interesting topic. And look, I think probably the truth would be that it's probably a combination of all those things. Do you know what I mean? Uh, I've thought about it a little bit. I think the first thing is that I moved away when I um, got Triple J, which is basically when, like, you know, any up until then, I was a guy on like the scene, you know, doing, you know, like everybody, like, you know, like just doing what everybody was doing. And, you know, I think was like, you know, well liked or regarded. You know, you have your own little stupid feuds you have when you're young because you're defining yourself by who you don't like as much as by who you do like and all those sort of things. I was right to tell that guy to fuck off. Right. right? <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, what I mean, like, there is that sort of like element where you, I, you totally are like you know when you're a teenager you define yourself by as much by what you hate as by like what you like as why you don't like sports do you know what I mean as what you when like. you're a teenager yeah but I mean I think as you as you become an adult you do less and less of that you do less I think you're much more forgiving of everybody just doing what they do and people liking what they like and I certainly think that early on my tastes were probably like on the snobbier side you know. Mm-hmm. Um, the second thing is that when my success happened, it moved me away. So the minute I like had this success, so everything that I was doing was happening at a distance. So people aren't catching up with you backstage at a gig to know that you're still like, I, like in Sydney, for example, you know, like I was hosting open when I was doing triple J, I would host open mic night, uh, at the the Sydney Comedy Store. So I knew all those guys, like, you know, Kent and Sam and all those guys who came through that Sydney scene and Dan Towns and all those guys, like, I would have these great relationships with because I was seeing them, you know, in this environment where they're like, oh, you're just like a comic trying out material. Like, all this other shit that you're doing is... Like, because on, when you're on Triple J, there's a certain... You've always got to be a bit Triple J about things, mm-hmm. which starts to then, you know, you're having opinions and you're in the press and blah, 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 which starts to divide people. Then I had Glasshouse, which, you know, by its nature is then you're getting people on your show. So you're starting to create enemies of who you're not getting on and, and those sort of people. So all that comes, but you're also not in a context where you're seeing those people. Like a lot of that stuff is diffused so easily by you being able to say, hey, I've several times put your name forward in a thing and like, you know, and being honest with people and here's the reason that you're not being used at the moment or whatever. And people are kind of like, oh yeah, okay, cool. I saw him. But if you don't see that person, you start to build all that shit up in your head, you know, Mm. that combined with that. I was also 25 years old and full of drugs and full of money for the first time. And, you know, and definitely, you know, like, the thing that I would say, I don't think that I've ever been cocky, but I've always been unapologetic about my attitude to promotion of things, mm-hmm. and that really pisses people off. Like, my attitude to promotion is if I like something or if I have made something myself and I think it's worth showing to one person, then I'm going to tell everybody who might be interested in it about this thing. And I've never felt ashamed of that because all I'm saying is, hey, I worked really hard on this thing and I made this thing. I'd like as many people as possible to see this thing. And I never think we should be ashamed of, you know, being able to be proud of and spreading, like not only my thing, but you talk about your thing or whatever else that I might promote on this, which is for me to say, hey, I think this is great as well. But I'm also, if I'm going to do something, I'm going to be like say to people, hey, I think this thing is great. Or otherwise, why the fuck am I doing it? Yeah, that's very un-Australian. Well, I mean, there is people who don't like that. And anytime you have an opinion, and the other thing that I probably haven't done a lot in my life is I don't really explain myself. Like, you know, Sometimes I just I, – I, I've always tried to at, at best when possible kind of, you know, don't explain, don't complain, you know. 
let my work and my whatever and people can kind of you know they can make their own judgments about it you know and you can like some of it and you can not like other bits and you know all those sort of things and so i think those things also um you know contribute to those sort of things and you know a bunch of my own sort of flaws and bullshit that you know you bring to the table in those regards i mean i i know it with uh, my relationship with rove rove and i were really close when we first started mm-hmm. and then we both had kind of like similar success but in very different fields and he was like the commercial guy and i was like the the abc triple j guy and then you know like for that crowd like something like rove became a bit of a punchline and this then people kind of used to compare us or pit us against each other in the press and because we weren't seeing each other and catching up that then almost kind of infused the way that we saw our relationship mm-hmm. whereas then we got together one night out the back of the shelf and we're having a chat and we were like but neither of us ever thought that or said that and always kind of were kind to each other in the way that we you know did that sort of thing and we were just because we'd seen each other and we got to catch up we got to go oh yeah okay this is you know we're cool now so i mean i think all those things and probably a bunch of other things that oh you know here's one like I just don't think it, I think it took me a long time to find my voice. And I think that people for a long time were like, well, he's just doing Fleety or he's just doing Anthony Morgan or he's just trying to be like, you know, blah, 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 you know, Tony Martin or Mick Malloy or, you know, whoever were the people that I was most influenced by, which by the way, is absolutely true. Like, and I've talked about quite a lot, you know. Or with that headset, he's just doing Madonna. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, but that's it. Like it took me, and I've talked about that a lot on this podcast, people who followed it, this is a conversation they've heard a lot, but you know, I, I talk quite openly about the fact that 2009, when I recorded Willosophy, which was the first special, I really felt like that was after that, the work that I've done after that is really the only stuff I've really done that has been kind of mostly, you know, my own voice, Mm. my own sort of vision for things. So I guess I'd been doing comedy like, you know, 14, 13, 14 years at that point. So I guess I think that probably pissed people off as well. Yeah. It's, it's weird. The, uh, the influences thing, cause I grew up on American comedy. I grew up on American, everything, everything from America was the best. I grew up a skateboarder and that's where, you know, skateboarding grew out of California. And so I listened to a lot of, you know, American comics and I remember once I started and it's quite a hard, like the specials that we you know the, the the TV specials. It's so hard to be funny on TV, like right. in a way that an uncensored, you know, Bill Hicks or a David Cross album. You know, they're saying whatever you want, and then you're getting you're seeing all the Australian comedians doing four minutes, and it's family friendly or whatever. And I remember once I started, you know, getting to do gigs with good acts like like Justin and and Lawrence Mooney, and realizing. Oh, these guys, there is awesome people in town. Like I was just, I was thrilled. And that sort of meant that, oh, maybe you could be awesome. It doesn't, like it's, it doesn't matter where you're from. It's just. Well, I don't think that um, like he would mind me saying this. I hope that he would not. Um, but Jim Jeffries and I had like a, a weird relationship just because he had some idea about who I was that, I had never had spent enough time with him to correct one way or the other. Uh, and he came and saw me do a show at the Sydney Comedy Store one night and then dropped me a very lovely note, which I won't divulge the contents of, but it was very complimentary and, like, you know, just kind of was like, oh, I had the, you know, essentially the gist was I had the wrong impression and, you know, I'd like to say that. And I kind of, 
I, I, I just don't tend to chase correcting that stuff. Like, you know, I, I, I kind of don't spend much time, you know, I'm always being bugged, you know, for Gruen and stuff. They want you to do like good weekend pieces where they come around to your house and tell everyone a little bit about, but I kind of just like to reveal stuff when I want to reveal it. Mm. I'd rather to talk about this on the podcast for ages than ever give anyone an interview about, like, I just don't care. And I don't, and I'm not going to pretend that I like the logies. And I'm not going to, I don't give a shit. Like, you, you know, you meant to behave this way. You made the mockery of this night. Yes, because this night is, should be mocked. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, this is, a, it's a mockery of itself. My job as a comedian is to mock this. And I think people, you know, there's, there's some people that don't think that sort of attitude is proper or whatever, which is, I mean, I, I just honestly don't care too much anymore. You know, like it's one of those things where I um I like, you know, helping other people out. I like, you know, that hopefully somebody will hear someone on this podcast that they've never heard before and then they will go on this. I mean... That is my hope as well too, Will. No, but the same thing that you kind of felt like, and I totally get, by the way, it's the same... You, you being pissed off that people came to your podcast and you saying, I'm pissed off because they're all coming from Will's podcast rather than going, oh, it's all great that all these people are here. I wasn't pissed off. It no, was no. more despair. No, but I get what you mean. Yeah. Because like, I get, dis- I get despair that more people listen to philosophy than listen to this because this is my passion. Tofop is, 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 this is me. This is like me and all my complexity, Tofop, mm. whereas philosophy is just one thing. And it pisses me off that people have chosen, no, we prefer just this one thing than all of you and your complexity. <laughs> Right? I get that. I understand what you're saying. But the greatest thing, the thing that gives me still real joy these days is, and I know you were joking when you were saying, I'm complaining about going back to my, do my TV show. And I'm not. It will be great and it'll be, you know, whatever. But I get much more joy out of hearing that somebody trusts my opinion enough that they listen to this thing and then off the back of that, they go and listen to your thing and then they also enjoy your thing. To me, that's like, to me, that's like exciting. That's still exciting. I get really excited and I get complimented. And when somebody messages me and goes, hey, I went and saw Daniel Sloss, or I went and saw Matt Kirshen, or I, mm. you know, I, I, you know, I bought Dave's album or whatever because I first heard it there. I mean, that's, I mean, to me, that's really exciting. I remember I did a live show in Sydney a little while back and someone came up to me. And people have said this a couple of times, but they're like, oh, just so you know, you got me on to uh, Tofop and I really like it. Yeah, which is good too. I was just like, like yes! Well, that's also <laughs> meant to happen. Like, I'd hope it wasn't all going the other way. <laughs> I'd hope at least, you know, when the valve was like closing, a little bit snuck back in, you know. <laughs> I-, I hope at least there was like a bottle of Coke that we were sharing and we got down the bottom and there was some sort of mixed sort of, you know, <laughs> a little bit of wa- wash back. <laughs> you know, I would hope. That was such a touching thing turned into such a, a horrible, unsanitary analogy. No, I, I mean, I yeah, I, I enjoyed that. I and I and it was I. I was telling you that I donated to the I oh, yeah dude um, uh, Patreon, mm-hmm. and again, like I love that. Like a one of those guys has actually been on this show, but. I also love that I'm just a fan of that show independently and I don't ever expect that like they're not a show that has other people on and I don't expect even that they would ever come back on the podcast even though I would love that they will and I think they probably will but that doesn't 
my involvement with that podcast can be literally, if they said to me tomorrow, we want nothing else to do with you in real life. But, you know, if you would like, I would still have that $20 a month and support because I just love that podcast. It's as entertaining to me as any TV show is or any like, you know, radio show that I listen to. I'm, I'm very happy to kind of support it and feel like, you know, like, so I think you can kind of, be a fan of things and support things on all different levels. Like sometimes it'll be a shout out like on the podcast or sometimes you'd be like, I'm going to back that a little bit or I'm mm. just going to – our friend Monty Franklin, who's been a guest Charlie here, uh, put together a TV pilot Kickstarter and like I contributed a little bit of money to that just because I was like, I love Monty and he came on my show and like gave me his time to create something with me and if there's some small contribution that I can make to help him create something else. I always feel like that's – it's all part of, you know, the same sort of – you know, family. I mm. get, I get joy out of it, genuine joy out of that. I would love to be a guy who had enough money that I could like be a, a genuine kind of supporter of the arts. That would be like, I would dig that. I, I would dig being a patron of the arts, you know. And then some of those fuckers who said bad things about me get nothing. <laughs> All right, let's name them off. <laughs> yeah, I'll get the names after the. We'll record them, and I'll have my own Mister Black section. <laughs> People are going on Ando's shit list. <laughs> no, but it's interesting though. Uh, actually, here's a good example. Let's talk about this because it happened on your podcast and people can go and find this. And it's a very funny episode uh, with Andy Lee. And he talks about when Limo and I were at Triple J and us kind of having like a, you know, a mini feud. And uh, because I had uh, used to use them as a punchline in... At Triple J or Triple M? Oh, so Limo and I were at Triple M when they were at, uh, like, but that's when they beat us in the ratings and yeah. he was like, you know, happy for the victory because I had been mean to them previously. Uh, and as he explains that podcast, we're nothing but, uh, we, we get on great now and we've both been on each other's things and all that sort of stuff. But back then they just had no idea why I kept taking like pot shots at them and using them as punchlines. And I think it was tough because those guys, you know, Andy said that, you know, they loved Will Anderson. They were right. like, so it was like, you know, this person that we like, oh, I wish I could do what he does. He hates what we do. Right. I mean, I, I had a very funny bit about, I'd be like, uh, uh, if, like in my audience, like this was like a bit I used to do. Like if like in the member of the audience, like yelled something out, my like saver line was like, <clears throat> you know, you know what? We can work together, but um, here's how it's going to work. You be the good looking one, silent one, and I'll be the funny one. You be Andy, I'll be Hamish. And like, it, it, I mean, it's a good joke. Like, but it's a very unfair joke because they're both really, really funny. And Andy's not that good looking. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, they, they're both hilariously funny. Hamish is super, super funny. Anybody working next to Hamish, yeah, it's very, very hard. He's one of the most quick witted people I've ever met in my life, but they're both brilliantly funny. And they're both really great guys. And so I, I, I feel really shitty that I did it but at the time like so this is what I talk about about being at a distance and not knowing people I didn't know those guys but what I knew was a bunch of my mates who were working comics uh, suddenly had this show that was fronted by these two guys that weren't comics and I was doing the classic you know on the side of the comics thing so they became you know the two because to me not knowing these guys or meeting them or knowing that they were genuine like dudes who mm. were hilarious I, to me, they looked like two, like, you know, good-looking pretty boys that, you know, Channel 7 had put in suits and put up the front of these, really. And so I was reacting to that, not to them at all. But it kind of, you know, it's the shitty sort of joke you make when you're 25 that hopefully you wouldn't make when, you know, you're 41. <laughs> I mean, hopefully. Who fucking knows, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's – um, I'm very fascinated with how – because it's such a jumble 
anything can happen industry, the way it affects other people's, like how success affects people and how well, I mean, famous watching I, other people's success affects people. So this is a self-serving thing to say. So I, I put that caveat on it. But I also think that everyone who listens to the podcast listens with all the caveats oh, in place. Will's back to his old tricks again. Yeah. So he, um, I believe that se- success either breaks you or becomes you. And it's interesting to see which pe- way people go with it. I think that part of the reason that perhaps I'm a more pleasant person to be around now than I was back then was I was a person who it, it, it success has been good to. It relaxed me. You know, I think that I was so keen to be successful, you know, previous to having success or so worried that I'd made a terrible you know, choice with my life and so had that sort of desperation. And I, I think that people can find that off-putting, you know, whereas like once I was lucky enough to have a bit of success, it was one of those things that instead of me wanting to buy, you know, a, a gold house in the clouds and like a big fur coat and whatever, <laughs> what I really wanted to do was start a fucking, you know, podcast <laughs> and, you know, you know, do open mic nights and, you know, tour around America where no one knows me. Now I'm at the top. Let's crawl back down. Yeah. So I guess that like that sort of, you know, changes, you know, kind of your perspective. And like then some people, and we've all seen it, it can kind of ruin a little bit, you know, as well. So, um, and we'll name those names after the credits as well. So, no. <laughs> Mr. Black. Right. Mr. Black. <laughs> Just and look at who hasn't come on Steel's podcast, you know, since they got famous. That's how it works normally. And don't forget Mrs. Black. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so i mean i think that those things are, are interesting you know like it's an interesting way that it affects you uh but also just i mean even how your mood affects you i was when i was in london and i had jet lag like i was suddenly just like why do i hate everything i mean jurassic world didn't help but <laughs> i would hate this even if i had slept and, and you were you were standing out the front of a jimmy choo store just looking at those high heels just going fuck you uh, what about you uh, with the podcast? And uh, let me ask you this question: mm-hmm. Is it uh, because I think that you, the stage performer, has a kind of a different act to like you, the podcast, or at least you know when you were doing your stand, like you know, I don't because I, I didn't see your show about growing up in Rosebud and that sort of thing, where I'm like, well, maybe has has it in. Has it influenced the way that you construct your stand up, having doing the podcast, or do you think it's just the same? I think it has. I don't think I'm there yet. I don't think I'm saying the things that I need to say or want to say. Um, yeah, I don't think I'm standing out enough or something. Like I, I'm at a point now where I, haven't, I actually haven't done stand-up the whole time I'm in America Yeah, because I was sort of just like I, like I don't know where to go with it. Right. And, and, and it's almost like to muster up the energy to – that's why I was sort of like, let's have a break and then sort of come back at it. Yeah, have a think about it. Yeah, because I just don't think like the things I was like like tweeting about and, and, and commenting about was the things I was actually saying on stage. And it's, it's, I don't know, it's kind of confusing and just to have that maybe, I don't know, confidence to go out there sort of thing and 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 throw yourself out there a little bit more like unleash unleash a little bit more i think right and also uh, understand that it's kind of about you can kind of make anything funny 
that there aren't certain things that you need to be talking about for it to be funny. Like, you know, like the podcast, I think, teaches you there are so many interesting things about your life and your world that you can kind of incorporate into the act, you know? Like, it's kind of funny sometimes I notice, like, if I don't talk about the cats or the dog or whatever in the show, people are like, they're like, I really like the show, but you need to talk about the cats. And I'm like, well, they're not like... It's not like fucking Wilson on Home Improvement. You don't get a guaranteed one fucking guest appearance from the cats every year in the show. Like, they, they better do something fucking funnier next year. Yeah. How about that? Unless my doctor says something funny when I go to see him, he might not make the show next year. <laughs> not everyone has a guaranteed spot in the show. Do you reckon he's at like an open mics now, reading out diagnosis? Like, got to get back in the show. Get fucking, I've got to say something funny when Will comes in for his medical. <laughs> get in next year's show. Yeah, so it's sort of... Um, I don't know. I don't like. I want to be if I'm like. I want to be good at it, and it, it's very hard. I, I find it very hard to not to do something and not be very good at it. I don't see the point in it, which maybe isn't the best idea to have. Yeah, I mean, maybe it isn't the best idea to have. It's I, here's the. I think with comedy, and I don't know. Fuck, I don't know. But I think with stand up. It's more about you've got to really give in to the idea that you're never going to be really good at it. Like, I mean, that's the perspective that I have now, which is this is just purely a process of every time you go on stage trying to learn something more about it and get slightly better at it and having one more experience that you can add to the sum total of you being. the. Because technically, here's how it should work. When you walk on stage next time, it should be the best gig you've ever done because you have every single bit of experience and every bit of stage time and everything that you've learned and all those times when you've done great gigs and when you've done bad gigs and all those sort of things, you're the best you've ever been and you should know more. So if you open yourself up to that thought, but also the thought that if it goes terribly, you will again still be a step like further on, you will still know more next time that you go on stage. You'll know that whatever you did last time, that wasn't quite working for this reason or that reason. Then I think you move forward quicker mm. than if you think I've got to get this good or I've got to be like this or I've got to like blah, blah, blah. I think you've just got to think of it like it's kind of like, you know, getting back into exercise. You've just got to start. You've just got to go for a bit of a walk and then even the next day go for a bit more of a walk or whatever, you know. It's weird. I, I You know, the way – you know, you've got that confidence and stuff. Like I do these, I run these gigs during summer at the public bar and I, it's a lot of listeners from the the podcast come and I have, like I can go up there with almost nothing and just have such a good set because I know these people like me. Right. But I don't like that the, I know I put so much pressure on me when I walk out to another gig where it's like everyone here is, doesn't like me and I've got to I've got to win them over right and they I'm almost angry at them for that right but when I walk out at the public bar it's a like it's like it's like I'm 5 years better as a comedian right yeah, and I mean but mostly that's kind of what it's about it's that being able to replicate like you wouldn't have been doing comedy this long if you hadn't had a gig like basically if you're a half decent comic at some stage you've done a nine out of ten gig right mm-hmm. like on that night when everything flew and it was the right crowd and the blah 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 and everything came out of your mouth like 
on Saturday night at the Nerd Melt thing. It was my crowd, you know, and it was the like the you know the best I've ever done that show. And I put all the work in, and everything came out funny. Now that doesn't mean that next time I do that show that those results are going to be replicated, but it means that that's where it can get to. So then you've got to try to do what you've got to do is well, how do I replicate that experience? you know in madison on a thursday night how mm. do i replicate that experience in front of a, a bunch of jfl pass holders in you know toronto on a monday night you know who don't know that i'm going to be on the show and are waiting for kyle Kinane? like how do i manage to replicate that experience so yeah it's about that it's about just trying to bring that every time being able to get what you can get when you're in front of that crowd in front of those other crowds mm. it's very um but it's, it's it's such a like you can I am just, a trained uh, you yo- can I like, am a trained yogi though. So. Yeah, you can head fuck yourself. You can like really uh, head fuck yourself. Mate, it's mostly what it is. It's mm. mostly in your head. And the minute you're in your head, you're already fucking in trouble. I had so many times in London because I was jet lagged, and it was just that thing where I couldn't get myself out of my own head. The amount of times where I thought a sh- show was going shitty because I didn't laugh at one bit in the way that I wanted them to. Like crazy, like crazy oh. amateur stuff, driving myself crazy, making me hate the audience based on one choice they made in a show they were otherwise really fucking enjoying. Yeah. And, and now blaming them and, for something that only I know about and I'm mad about. And in, I'm essentially the equivalent of your girlfriend waking up and she's mad at you because she had a dream where you did something wrong. That's what I'm doing to the audience. I'm grumpy at them suddenly and none of them know why because they're like, hey, we were having a really good time. Remember, I woke up and I was like, and hang on, what did I do? Yeah. <laughs> and enduring that for an hour is so much fun, isn't it? Oh. <laughs> Man. I, those festival shows where you walk out and your friends in the audience afterwards and you're like oh yeah I'm, I'm so, I, I don't know that night and it's like what do you mean that was awesome yeah and it's like no no and then is that thing of getting in an argument with someone just like no I was bad that right. was not good because right. you've had all that space in your own head to just invent a million fucking conspiracies yeah you're like you know this audience fucking planned 9-11 <laughs> And by the way, I hear Will Anderson's a cunt. <laughs> <laughs> but he does plug Steel's podcast, so, that, you know, he's not all bad. That's something. Uh, all right, we should finish up. Uh, let's uh, plug your podcast one more time. I love uh, Green Guide Letters uh, is one I'll be on probably soon in this timeline. Uh, and uh, your other one is called uh, Steel Wars, but that's with the extra E. Please put in the extra E. Please check out both. <laughs> If you want to join the Steel Wars League, right? That's S T E E L. Uh, you know there is no serious injuries. And if you are annoyed at Will's references to Master Jedi Yoda, then add that E in and go to Steel Wars, and you'll be in uh, the warmth of uh, enthusiasm and fun about the Star Wars universe. And we have like comedians on. I if if you're a comedy fan. I will tell you the live one with Ronnie Chang is just the best time. It is it is is quite good. It was the last show in the comedy festival. And if you're a fan of mischief, you've got to hit, I think it's episode 34, Angus Truscott. Do you know Angus? He's friends with Dooley. Oh, okay, right. And he did work experience at age 15 on the set of Star Wars Attack of the Clones. And could you imagine what one of Dooley's friends at age 15 would do on the set of Attack of the Clones? 
I mean, masturbate? Not far off the mark. Okay, interesting. So, uh, yeah, check that out, guys. And um, and also listen to uh, Tofop. Get onto that. It's a great podcast. I, I plug it all the time. Uh, Willosophy is my other one. Willosophy with Will Anderson. Um, and uh, there's some pretty cool recent episodes up there. Uh, people seem to really love the episode with Nazim Hussain. We uh, talked about religion a lot and people seem to uh, have enjoyed that. So that was kind of fun. And uh, the most recent one with Greg Berent from Walking the Room, who, uh, of course, has had cancer, uh, which he had to cancel uh, his Melbourne International Comedy Festival tour. The last uh, show he did in Australia was the Superpod night. Uh, during the, So some people might be familiar with that. Uh, Greg and I sat down and talked about uh, clothes and uh, cancer for uh, sort of 90 minutes. So uh, people seem to have been really enjoying that as well. So thank you for giving me and he the feedback uh, in regard to those. Um, as always, rate the podcast. We were talking about this off air. We were having a podcast, a secret conversation, but we can say it, which is the the very minimum you could do. We were complaining about you. Was you just guys. Ra- just rate the podcast. You can rate it. It's free to rate it. Just rate it. Give it a good rating. Uh, it does help, and it does make you feel good. And making other people feel good, I have beginning to discover, is a huge part of life. Look at that. Look at it. Look at how you're growing. And uh, yeah, I'm sorry, everyone, that maybe uh, wanted the second half of the podcast to uh, be another dose of hilarity. But I wanted to find out some things about Will. Hopefully, you guys wanted to find out that stuff as well. Uh, I am going to quickly plug uh, those gigs that I was talking to you about. So, um, uh, Madison, Wisconsin, all this week, Comedy on State. Uh, Then Toronto on Monday night if you're a JFL pass holder. Um, They did tell me if there is some empty seats at the start at showtime uh, on Monday night uh, that you can buy tickets at the door, even if you're not a JFL pass holder. Uh, If you want to take that risk and you want to come out and see me in Toronto and then all week I'm in Montreal at Just for Laughs, uh, Saturday night, 10.30, free will uh, at the Montreal Improv. Uh, Please come to that show. That's going to be an absolute ball. Uh, and then back in Australia, two nights at the Enmore Theatre with Justin Hamilton, uh, the 7th and 8th of August. They're my only two gigs there in Sydney. So if you want to come out and see me, uh, you've got to come out those two nights because I'm starting doing Gruen and uh, I can't tour, but I will be in Perth uh, October 9th and 10th. Uh, there you go. There are the plugs. And never listen to Michael Chamberlain's opinion of Will Anderson. Oh, hang on. What's that about? Um, uh, what was I going to say? Uh Oh, fuck. Uh, LA Podcast Festival. That's what I was going to say. LA Podcast Festival. Or as I like to call it, the Validation Fest. Uh, we are both doing that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I Love Green Guide Letters. Are you doing Steel Wars or just I Love Green Guide Letters? I'm going to be doing a bunch of Steel Wars around the uh, the festival, but the, the live and the live stream podcast will be I Love Green Guide Letters. Uh, you will be able to watch it uh, on video from all around the world, and a lot of people did that last time, so that would be really cool. And if you buy a pass, you know, you can kind of watch our, our show and Steel Show and all those shows. Charlie's flying over as well. We're both flying over from Australia for it, so... It should be huge. Um, all right, we done. I think is that it. I think that's it. Are we good? I'm, I think we're good. Wrong podcast. <laughs>